Hello everyone out there in quarantine land. How is it going? This is Jack with Cardboard Herald and I'm just working on this real casual bonus episode for the podcast slash video to check in and talk about solo gaming. I, I've seen a lot of people talking about how quarantine has <laughs> impacted their gaming rituals and routines, and I thought I would just take some time and talk about what my own experience with solo gaming is, how those views have changed, and what I've been playing. More specifically, what I'm going to break this down into is really three sections. It's going to be why someone might solo game in the first place, two, what are some of the games that I've been playing since being in quarantine mode, and three, what I plan to be doing in the future with solo games and maybe get some recommendations from you. This is not going to be a real tightly edited episode in the way that most of our video content is, so if you're not interested in that, well, we have a podcast that you can go on a bike ride or go on a run or mow your lawn or something while listening to this or just check out all of our other reviews and stuff. So I guess we'll start with the top. Why would someone play a board game by themselves? That's a question that I actually asked myself and on this podcast I've talked about in the past. In fact, when I first started in 2016, I kind of had the feeling that a lot of people still have to this date of, why not play a video game? I mean, I play board games to be social with my friends. Why wouldn't I just play an immersive video game if I were just going to be hanging out by myself because I don't have that social experience? And then I played a couple of games that kind of really changed my mind on that. It wasn't so much the games themselves. It was actually the experience of checking my own preconceptions and and thinking about what is it that I really love about board games. So the games in question, the ones that really changed my mind, were Scythe and Terraforming Mars, which both came out in the same year. And both of those games just blew me away from a multiplayer perspective. They they were very inventive and creative games. I still really enjoy them. They're still in my collection. But because I was reviewing them and I thought that I should do my honest effort and check out what the solo mode was all about, especially because Scythe had this whole dedicated solo mode with a separate design team, the Automa Factory, which is really fantastic. And... I found out, hey, this is actually kind of cool. I was worried at first. I, I'd played some solo games in the past or I've done what other people have done where they, they set up a game to play essentially against themselves, right? And no one likes doing that. Well, maybe someone likes doing that, but I personally don't like having my hand for this team and my hand for this team and I pretend as though I am both sides making optimal moves for each other. And in the case of Scythe, I was able to just have this really robust opponent that operates on an AI that gives a reasonable objective for me to to go for. You know, it, it's something that where I do not have to pretend I don't know something and I can employ the, the critical thinking that I love about board games. And then Terraforming Mars, it has this fantastic solo mode where it's a race to complete all the terraforming of the planet under a certain timeline, which is 
awesome. It almost transforms it into the, like the feeling of a cooperative game. There's some cards that don't really make sense in Terraforming Mars from a solo perspective, but it's still it preserves the best aspects of that game without really mucking things up a bit uh, by having automated opponents or anything. Now, what this did for me is it made me realize that it's not so much the, the social interaction that is required for me to enjoy playing a board game, because I don't need social interaction to enjoy playing a video game either. I mean, I, I play... <laughs> mostly single player video games at this point in the seldom opportunity that I am actually sitting down with a video game. And so that that notion that I had to have the multiplayer experience, people around the table, the, the social element with my friends, I kind of went out the window. Yes, I do love that. And I do still prefer playing with friends, but that couldn't have been the only reason why I was playing board games. And I realized that the types of experience that board games provide, both the, the physicality, the components which I'm interacting with, but also the intellectual puzzle in which I'm having to engage with, isn't something that I really have the opportunity to interact with in video games. And yes, there are digital versions of board games, right? You know, you have them on the apps, you have them on Steam, you, you can get digital versions of board games all day long. Even games that can't exist in a physical form, but act as though they are board games. But still, those feel like substitutions to me. I mean, Spirit Island Digital just came out, and it is a really good and really faithful adaption of Spirit Island, one of my absolute favorite games. And still, when I played it, I was like, I enjoy this, but I enjoy this from the perspective that I'm playing Spirit Island in a situation where I might not be able to otherwise play Spirit Island. And that was pretty cool. But also, I would rather be playing it on the tabletop, even if I have to do all the management myself. So it really came down to I wanted that intellectual puzzle, that, that interactivity. And the physical interactivity is a big part of what allows me to engage with it in the way that I want to. Plus, I have all these. I mean, I'm into toys, right? I'm into board games, these these objects that have all kinds of neat, cool pieces that we spend time upgrading and painting and, and interacting with. And whether I have a friend around to appreciate my finely painted miniature or not, I still enjoy moving it across the table. It feels really good. Otherwise, if those things didn't matter, why would we be playing board games for our social experiences with our friends? We could just play video games all day long. And I don't know about you, but I derive a lot of enjoyment from the physical aspect of board games, whether or not I'm with friends. There are a couple other things I haven't really mentioned with the, the solo board game thing. You have board games, you want to appreciate them. And rather than buy a new video game, hey, you have solo modes on board games that you may not have even touched at this point, and that saves you some dough, which is especially important in this kind of uncertain time. And also, it gives you a way of appreciating the things that you've already put investment in. I mean, if you don't have someone to play Scythe against right now, and you're like, oh man, I want to play Scythe. It's one of my favorite games in the world. 
or Tiny Towns or Root or any number of games. Um, I, I, I think Caverna is an example of a game that's on my shelf that I haven't broken out the solo mode on yet, but I love it so much and I don't have anyone to play with right now. Maybe I will be checking that out soon. Solo mode is a great way of appreciating these things that we invest in emotionally and is no less of an experience just because there aren't people around. It may not be the experience that you derive the most joy from. Yeah, social interaction is important. And again, I still appreciate multiplayer games more than I do solo games for the most part. But that doesn't mean it's less valid of a way to really enjoy your board games. So if you are someone who has never played solo games and you needed some, some spiel on why someone might want to, there you go. Though I imagine most of you who are watching or listening to this right now are like, I already play solo games all the time, and so you're just validating my opinion. But you may have some additional thoughts on that, and that's something that I think that this kind of casual episode would would really benefit from some of your interaction. So if you have extra thoughts, then totally, you know where to put those. Now, I told you that I was also going to talk about a second thing, well, three things altogether, but a second thing, and that is that I've been playing a lot of solo games. I don't know if you can see me pointing my chalkboard over there. I have a quarantine solo playlist where since we've been in full quarantine mode, I have been trying to keep track of all the solo games that I've been playing. Now, many of you may know that one of my primary board game partners is my wife, and she still is, except she isn't because we work bizarre schedules now, now that we're telecommuting and trying to survive in this post-COVID reality. And so she wakes up at the butt crack of dawn and is super tired by the time our kid goes to bed. And normally our board game time, which would be mm, 8.30 till 10.30-ish, she is zonking out so that way she can wake up in the morning and I'm working a slightly different schedule than her. So I have all this time to play solo and we don't really get to play multiplayer until the weekend. Now, some of these I've been playing for Cardboard Herald purposes, you know, for reviews and that kind of stuff. Some of these I've been playing just because I want to play solo games and I wanted to check them out for myself or it's a solo game that I've already had a ton of fun with. So, for example, Wingspan, I have a couple plays on already, and Wingspan is one of those games where the solo just blows me away at how perfectly it preserves the multiplayer aspect of the game without taking any sort of real management of the multiplayer. You're just flipping a card, and it, it simulates that experience of playing multiplayer without the, all of the, the drag of having to build up a tableau of their birds and everything. I really love, if nothing else, how it interprets a board game for the automated opponent. Another example of Automa Factory awesomeness. Now, for the other games that I've been playing, of course, we have here Root, which I've already put up on the channel, our Clockwork expansion review, and uh, that made a huge impact on me. Root has always been one of my favorite games, but the, the multiplayer has been a bit lackluster. You know, the mechanical Marquise was 
unpredictable and not very well crafted and it was suitable but this better bot project had been going on on bgg for a long time and that evolved into this clockwork expansion which actually gives meaningful experiences to solo root play and this is a perfect example of what i was talking about earlier of wanting to appreciate one of my favorite games that's hard to get to the table either way whether it's multiplayer or single player now i have a meaningful way of interacting with it that that if not giving me the full enjoyment of a, a suited out full player count game of root i still have an approximation that that makes an interesting strategic puzzle then we have Everdell and Shadows of Killforth, which I'm working on reviews for right now. Now, Shadows of Killforth is this, this brilliant adventure game with this really cool system for pairing up your, your, your player class and your race and getting all these different abilities. And, you know, in a very, I guess, Arkham Horror, Eldritch Horror style of going about the world, interacting with things, leveling up and then fighting the big bad boss, but in so much more of a, a sensible and meaningful path than many of the other games of this type. Like you have reliable ways of obtaining certain things or, or progressing the story and the arc in the game is just absolutely brilliant. And it works so perfectly as a solo game. And in the, the multiplayer game, you're essentially just replicating the solo game with uh, another player who's also doing a similar thing and you may have paths cross and you may be able to lightly help each other, but effectively you guys are, are working separately. That seems like the ideal thing to be doing solo. Whereas Everdell seems like the the solo experience is totally cool. I, I really like it, but I think multiplayer is going to be the way to go to, to round out that review so I can effectively comment on it. I am having a blast with the game uh, as is, though I did try to play the full Everdell with all expansions included thing which they actually advise against in the rulebook and yeah I would advise against it too that that doesn't seem like the appropriate way to balance out your game of Everdell uh, just doing Belfair with either Pearlbrook or Spirecrest is is the way to go and so far with a couple games in I think that Spirecrest is my favorite expansion in Everdell. It's just so thematic and interesting and cool. If only the saddles on the the big animal meeples didn't leave big indents in your little worker meeples. That's kind of a disappointment, but the saddles are optional, so I guess there's that. I also did a review recently of Clans of Caledonia, where I played three different ways of doing solo, and Clans of Caledonia is such a, a fantastic game, and I was impressed, especially with two out of three of those ways of playing solo. Uh, one of them is kind of the terraforming Mars approach, where all you're doing is just trying to get as many points as you can and strips away any sort of player interaction with minor adjustments to kind of imitate the the market interaction that a multiplayer game would have whereas there's a fan-made variant where you're just flipping a card and acting for an opponent based off of those cards kind of the the scythe approach 
and that that is just a, a really smooth really effective system that again like wingspan imitates the experience of playing against an opponent where they are putting things on the board they're scoring points they're they're interacting with the game and the market and everything but it takes so much of the the management and the guessing out of it that you don't really have to interpret things there's a third mode I'm not really a fan of it. It's an official variant. It's not in the rule book, but it's something that's being developed. And it is just so incredibly complex that the minutia in judging how to carry out the automated opponent's turns is so painstaking that, yeah, it may be more authentic to the the intended experience of Clans of Caledonia, but it's just such a drag that it saps a lot of the enjoyment out of the game for me. And that is the main reason why I play games, is to have enjoyment. So if you want to learn more about any of that, you can check out the review. Uh, the last two games on here that I, I've listed as games that I've played tiny towns and spirit island well tiny towns is one of those ones that as soon as i played the solo mode it was just revelatory it was so good it was something where i could have the the whole experience of playing the the main game in like 20 minutes and all that you're doing is you have your three cards you're uh utilizing one of those cards to get one of the cube colors per turn you put it on the bottom of the deck and you reveal another card and now you have three more choices and you're just trying to build up as efficiently as possible and there are basically no other accommodations that you need to make and you get as many points as you can and boom it is such a cool puzzle. It's almost like playing Sudoku or something. The last one that I have here is Spirit Island because Spirit Island is maybe my favorite game. And it's a game that I had my birthday, my quarantine birthday, which was a great experience. I had my family. We had a fire. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I, at the end of the day, after saying goodnight to my wife and my kid, I was like, man, what am I going to do? It's my birthday. What's something that would just be pure joy? It's not for review purposes. It's not for anything. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put on the, 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 the old Rankin and Bass Hobbit movie, one of my favorite movies, and one of the big things that got me into Tolkien and fantasy as a kid, watching it on my uncle's houseboat. That was... A, a profound experience for like four-year-old Jack. Uh, but also, I was going to play Spirit Island, and I just busted out a game. And man, every time I play it, I have such joy. I know what a lot of people like multi-handing it, where they have several spirits, and they're managing this spirit's hand, this spirit's hand, and more power to them. That, that takes too much computational power for me. I mean, Spirit Island on its own with two players who are each managing their own thing can be a ton of havoc in, well, if I play this, could you play this? What could you do if I did this? Could you do this? Could you do this? Okay, well, I'll do this. Oh, wait, we better think about this. And if I were doing that entirely myself, my brain would just... And so instead, what I ended up doing is just using one spirit, which is my preferred solo way of playing. Not all spirits are 
friendly for this type of mode. Like you wouldn't want to have um, the the nightmare spirit to do this. You wouldn't want to have the ocean uh, with a, a board unto themselves. But many of the spirits are, are fully capable of handling themselves with just one island piece and all of their loadout. In this case, I was playing one of my absolute favorites, Shadows Flicker Like Flame, and we won. So that was a really killer end to my birthday. And those are the solo games that I've been playing. If you played any of these, I'd love to hear about it. And of course, I'd love some suggestions, which is going to bring me into the next, I guess, month or two months, however long this is going to go on, of of solo planning here. I, I want to get more root to the table, uh, especially because that's, again, one of my favorite games. And I want to see how all the different uh, root factions hold up against the various automated factions. And then the big project that I have coming up soon is I'm going to be doing some Gloomhaven focused content, something that I haven't really done in the past. And that is going to be like my quarantine Gloomhaven solo diaries, where I start at the beginning of a campaign and I just make like one minute videos that are going to be almost like session reports scripted and, and you know just kind of capturing the essence of each mission as i go through it and maybe ultimately having a review of gloomhaven at the end uh which the end could be whenever but you know once i've played several missions and and have more to say from a from a critical perspective on the game but uh, I'm really looking forward to having some solo focus, bite-sized, episodic content for Gloomhaven, and that, that's going to be such a cool experience. And if all goes swimmingly, then I can carry that over into some Jaws of the Lion experience, and then maybe someday some Frosthaven experience. And as far as solo games, I want to get to the table outside of everything that I've mentioned. I mean, of course, Sagrada, Caverna, which I mentioned a little bit ago. And then there's also some solo modes and games that I haven't even played yet. I mean, this right here, Set a Watch, I haven't played Set a Watch yet, and I heard that the solo is fantastic, so that's something worth checking out. But... As always, I want some recommendations from you. How are you guys spending your time? Are you playing any more solo games? Have you changed your mind about solo games given quarantine or any other factors? And if you were to make the pitch to a multiplayer diehard or someone who has that perspective of, oh, why would I play solo board games if I could just play video games? What is your pitch to them? How are you going to convince them to get your favorite board game to the table for just themselves. And that's pretty much it. I'll be checking in again. Maybe we'll do another one of these if you guys really dig it. And yeah, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay home. Thanks for watching. I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcasts, and video here on our channel and website CardboardHerald.com. Our content is audience supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.